720 WGN. Every now and then you get a guest on the program and you talk so much before the show even starts, you wonder if we have enough time on the show to even get to everything. So Laurel Bellows, in that spirit, welcome to the show. Thanks for hopping on today. Oh, thanks, John. I'm so thrilled to be here, and I think we'll just talk fast. Yeah, (laughs) I already do. And the text line lets me know it sometimes. No, but you do a lot of employment law, uh, the founder and managing principal of the Bellows Law Group, and uh, you do a lot with employment law. So I just want to dive into this document that I've teased that that so many people have signed, whether it's for a credit card or a bank account or employment. We're right. talking about forced arbitration. What are we talking about? We're talking about a clause that's usually at the end of whatever you're signing. Mm-hmm. In, when you open a bank account, when you open a brokerage account, when you uh, – it's almost Anything that you sign that looks like an agreement, you're going to find an arbitration provision or at least a provision in there that says if we have a dispute – me, the person who's signing, and you, the person who's on the other side of the transaction. If we have a dispute, you will not go to court. You promise that you will arbitrate. Doesn't that sound easy and wonderful? Well, right, because that means that there's going to be, in theory, a uh, person who's non-biased who decides between the two of us, and it remains confidential, right? It remains very confidential. Now, let's say you don't want your case to remain confidential. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are many cases in which somebody has done you wrong and you feel you want a jury verdict and you feel you want to go to court where someone can pick it up on, you know, on, uh, in the news and, and try and help other people in your situation, even right. if you might not get help. But arbitration is arbitrated by somebody who might have been a former judge. That's great. Mm-hmm. But by an attorney who may not have the skills at evaluating witnesses, witnesses and discovery are limited. Arbitration takes time. It's also not done at one time, generally. You, mm-hmm. know, you might have to take a break and then start all over again. It's not that it's less expensive necessarily. You might have to travel, I hear, sometimes to the arbitration session oh, on your you own must, dime. because you are signing arbitration in a particular location, which mm-hmm. is usually the main office of the company or whatever you're working for, wherever you're working. But the main issue is that the people who are arbitrators, who you try and select, they are very rarely women. I think the statistics are 90% of the, of the cases do not choose women as their arbitrators. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the people there are often, who are at the level of that arbitration, are not as sympathetic in a sexual harassment or sexual assault. They don't really understand it. They're not really listening. They may be representing the corporations that want the arbitration and wouldn't want somebody suing them for sexual assault. So here you are, the plaintiff saying something terrible happened to me. In some of these cases, there are no witnesses, all right? So, you know, I'm, I'm coming before you to hear me and listen to me in a very unbiased way, with mm-hmm. an open mind, not your perspective on the table, but absolutely no perspective until you hear what I say. And right. we say, all right, on behalf of those who have suffered sexual assault and sexual harassment, there is not an arbitrator who can actually do that on a regular basis. Right. And so we say... Give everybody a right to choose. There are people who have suffered sexual assault and sexual harassment, and it is not unusual for those people, women or men, but mostly women, to not want to go public. Mm -hmm. They want to choose to take advantage of a private uh, location to resolve their dispute. That might be what they want. Great. We're just saying choose. But if you want to go to court, you go to court. So let me see if I can't say this very definitely. Mm -hmm. 
if you are about to accept employment, if you are about to, are you asked to sign any contract, flip to the end and ask to see the paragraph on dispute resolution. Okay. Ask specifically where the arbitration provision is if there is one and be certain because the law protects you here. Be certain that you are not signing a contract that says you must arbitrate. I think there are lots of businesses and corporations that have never heard this new law is in effect thanks to Sherry Bustos, our right. Illinois, you know, our representative in Congress. Right? right. Well, let's back up just a second okay. because with forced arbitration, we're talking about a, a whole host of issues that could be brought up. You brought up sexual harassment, sexual uh, assault. And that's what is in this new law that was passed earlier in this year. Bipartisan, by the way. That's right, John. In the Senate and the House signed by President Biden. The Ending Force Arbitration of Sexual Assault and Harassment Act. And again, I cannot believe that if you get sexually assaulted in an employment situation, that that would not see the light of day because of forced arbitration, right? In terms of not see the light of day for people outside of the public knowing about it if the victim wanted to share that information, right? Well, yes, and I absolutely. But I also think you were going for the fact that any other dispute that you have, even gender or racial or ethnicity or LGBTQ di- discrimination, must be arbitrated if you sign that arbitration agreement. And the reason we say forced is because... The companies won't let you. There's no uh, other way. They, they won't let you take the action you, you want to take, and open say, up this little account, right? Right. It doesn't say forced arbitration in the document. No, it's, it says dispute resolution generally, and right. you think, oh, that's a good thing. All right. So the, this law doesn't cover that. It only covers cases relating to sexual harassment and sexual assault, and and. Sherry Bustos and the senators who have, and representatives who have put this forward are trying very hard to pass a law on non-disclosure agreements. Same thing. If you want to talk about what has happened to you, mm-hmm. you should be able to do that. Yeah. It's interesting because obviously forced arbitration, as we talked about, is this behemoth thing out there in our everyday lives. And it seems like Congress is trying to pick a couple areas where there might be broad support of ending it but it's not ending there's still so many other situations like you said discrimination is not uh is still allowed as a forced arbitration uh meeting point i guess you could say or, or threshold to be matched so right now the law is with the ending forced arbitration sexual assault and harassment act i just want to make sure i understand is that now if you are involved with sexual harassment or sexual assault in the office you, under federal law you cannot be forced to arbitrate right that has been a change that is the absolute change one caveat. Okay. All right. If you have brought a case recently and you have signed that agreement, if you brought the case um, before the law came into being, you mm-hmm. will be forced to arbitrate. If you signed an agreement before the, line, the law came into being and are now looking to file your case, you're covered. This is a retroactive act. And since we all probably know that we have 180 days in order to file, you know, a, you know, a sexual harassment, which is a form of sexual discrimination mm-hmm. claim. There might be many people out there who signed this agreement many years ago, but haven't filed their claim, and they are still entitled to have that provision voided as to sexual harassment. But I do want to say one other thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are talking about this. It took Sherry Bustos five 
years mm-hmm. to pass what should have been passed in a second. All right. So no broad-based support. So when you're voting in November in whatever state you are, make certain that the people you are voting would have been one of the people who are Republican who voted for this agreement. Right. And there and, were many. And there were 118 of them or something very close to that. So, I mean, we want more bipartisan working together on issues of equality. And so this is, I hope, the first beginning of it. First step. All right. We're going to take a break. We're not done. This is just our first step, Laurel Bellows. By the way, if you want more information, bellowslawgroup.com. That's where you want people to go, right? That'd be great. For all things employment. Hey, who, who do you want reaching out to you? Well, that's not all things employment because uh, you can reach out to me if you have a wrongful termination or something of that case. But mostly what I do uh-huh. is I represent people who have are negotiating an employment contract, Ooh. a separation agreement agreement are facing retirement and want to see if they're going to be able to get their stock out at the same time. Um, change of control, companies getting sold, what's going to happen to me? That's what we do mostly. Okay, good to know. All right, bellowslawgroup.com is the place to go. We'll get more information from Laurel in just a little bit, but let's take a break here on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, it's Let's Get Legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. Laurel Bellows joins us now, and uh, we'll continue our conversation. And you kind of listed off some of the things that you do, and a lot of them have the theme of get a professional to help you when you're going into a job or when you're leaving a job. Is that a good way to sum up a lot of that? It's good when you say it as opposed to me, because otherwise it sounds like a sales pitch. But the fact is, we're talking about signing agreements, right? We're talking about signing enforceable agreements. And those agreements, when you go into a new job, an employment agreement generally contains not only in the first paragraph your compensation, which you're all ready to negotiate, perhaps. I think people stop reading there sometimes. That's exactly the point, precisely. And then it talks about your bonus, and you don't really try and push very hard on that. And then it starts talking about um, that you can't compete with them if they terminate you, that you might get some severance if they terminate you, you might get three months or six months or a year, depending on how senior you are. But then it talks about non-competition agreements. You can't go to work for anybody who competes with us uh, for a year or two years. And that is enforceable. I mean, mm-hmm. There are all kinds of specifics we would talk about. Right. Those non-competes and non-solicitation of customers, they're all very enforceable. But what happens if you get three months of separation in this agreement and don't negotiate it and they want you to stay on the beach for a year? Right. And you, no, that's nine on. months of a gap. A, right. You need to push back. It's it's exactly that. Those they're not hidden. They're right there in big type. But you don't really think they're going to apply to you because well, you're walking down the aisle, exactly. happy as clam, <laughs> right? Thinking that you found a great job that's paying you well, and these are really nice people. Great analogy, walking down the aisle. I that's see what right. you're getting at here, right? Because uh, some people walk down that aisle and then they end up in a lawyer's office for other reasons down the line. Right. But here's the other thing. I think people don't want to upset a potential new boss, right? So here's the deal. You know, there are different tones you can use to negotiate this. You should, if you can manage it, get a lawyer or a lawyer as a friend yeah. to just say to you, have you asked about X and Y and Z? For instance, here's another one that's on the table right now. Remote working. Yeah. You go into an office right now. They offer you a deal. You see there's nobody in the office. You figure this is easy. There are, And then you sign. And you start to work. But their main office is in Dallas, Texas. They haven't told you that they need you in Dallas. Mm. You know, that agreement that you just signed, it happens. The, you saw probably an article about um, 
maybe about a couple a couple of months ago. Where is a corporation located if the CEO is located in one state and the CFO is located in another, right. and they're all very happy working remotely? Where's the company? Right. right. But now we're talking about be? the yeah. people who live in New Jersey and are being asked to work for a Chicago-based company and and didn't ask whether they're ever going to be required to relocate. Right. So relocation is an issue. And if they want to leave, they've signed a non-compete, and now they are they can't go to it. Now they're trapped in that's, some ways. That's, that's it. Trapped in a good way, but they have got equity that they're hoping for. Right. Is that going to vest? They have options that they're hoping for. They don't know that it's not just about vesting their options. It's about exercising options. Options you can get control of. They could be yours, mm-hmm. but you have to sell them. All right, in order right. to get the money out. And if you're only given 90 days in which to do that, all right, then you've got another issue. On the way in, you've got to also negotiate what could happen on the way out, right? Well, that's the idea. When I'm negotiating an employment contract, I negotiate the exit first. Okay. All right, but, that, but I, I feel like I think people are apprehensive about that because they feel like it's going to send the wrong message. I guess that's why we have you do it. <laughs> all right. So, so here's the deal. All uh-huh. right. You, sh- you should do it yourself if you have a good relationship. Right. You should do it with an attorney who, I mean, I'm not always out front. I'm there doing term sheets and everything, ghosting a lot of these negotiations. Because on the way out, mm-hmm. John, all right, you do have relationships. So you don't want to get a lawyer involved initially. A lot of lawyers need feel they need to be out front. I think that if you've got relationships, you should use them and the lawyer should help you use them. But if you have an employment contract, private equity deals, all right, you're thinking can you make a bundle of money. These are good guys and they're there to make money fast, in and out, five to seven years. Sometimes it's 10 years. Did you think about that? Sometimes they can't go out, but there's no money to pay you out on your stock. Mm-hmm. So you're taking a lower base salary, taking a lower bonus. You say, good, I'll take the risk. But the risk doesn't pan out because they don't make any money. Or it gets real close to the fact that they've got a deal. They're selling the company and they say goodbye to you. All right. And Mm -hmm. then your equity doesn't vest at all. Okay. These are some high-end things to think about. But I think they're things that people don't. They ignore it. Like you said, they're walking down the aisle. That's it. They're feeling pretty good about it. Yeah. So the other thing you can think about is that everybody leaves their job. Mm -hmm. Everybody. At some point or the other. You're leaving, you know, because you just died, right? (laughs) Right. Or you're retired, or you're leaving because you want to leave for a new job, or you're disabled, or you're sick, or they tell you goodbye, all right, or you can't stand it, all right? (laughs) But you're leaving your job. So you need to be certain you understand what happens when you exit to all the perks that you've been getting. Mm -hmm. and, And you need to figure out the risks that you're willing to take. And... For me, who reads contracts like this every single day, all day long, I don't want to read an insurance broker's contract. I don't like reading my insurance agreement, but these small print agreements, I read word for word because it's your life that we're negotiating. Right. And they're changing, right? right. Like a, Companies are getting a little more uh, strict with the words and, and what cause could be or not cause could be, you were telling me, right? Yeah. They're defining cause. It used to be you define cause. Did you embezzle? Did you break a big rule, a really big rule? Did you do something really hideous? Right. All right. Then, you know, maybe you engaged in conduct like drugs or, or alcohol or talked very badly about the company or, you know, things of that nature that you could understand destroyed the reputation of an officer or the company itself. That was cause. 
Now I'm starting to see cause saying, well, you maybe didn't do as great a job as we thought you would. All right. You think about that as the kind of thing that turns up in performance evaluations, John, Mm -hmm. but you don't think about it as used to cause to keep you from receiving the severance. Mm -hmm. And when times get tough and corporations start cutting costs, which is a, are, could be around the corner. It is. It is right now that I'm seeing them fight severance agreements, things that you thought were engraved in stone. I'm going to work for this company to do the best I can. And when they say goodbye to me, there's going to be a severance package there. Not so much? Mm, not all the time. Right. All right, Laurel, we could talk forever. Come on again, okay, please? I'd love to. I, got, I think it would be really fun. I got more to get to. Trust right. me. We're we just, will. We're just but, diving in. Yes. Laura, but, uh, bellowslawgroup.com to go to find out more about you. And I'm going to give away your office phone number as well, too, because some people always ask for this stuff. Yes. 312-332-3340. It's radio, so we say it twice, Laurel. 312-332-3340. Uh, Bellows, uh, again, bellowslawgroup.com. So negotiate any agreement you got. That's the message. Final thought. That's what I was going to say. Final thought, elevator pitch. Look at it. Read it all first. Please read it. But even if you don't read it, know that you need to negotiate. (laughs) Be like, I know there's not, I haven't read it, but I know there's something I'm not going to like here. Laurel, so great to chat with you. We'll do it again soon, okay? Thank you. Looking forward to it. 720 WGN. Every now and then you get a guest on the program and you talk so much before the show even starts, you wonder if we have enough time on the show to even get to everything. So Laurel Bellows, in that spirit, welcome to the show. Thanks for hopping on today. Oh, thanks, John. I'm so thrilled to be here and I think we'll just talk fast. Yeah. I already do. And the text line lets me know it sometimes. No, but you do a lot of employment law, uh, the founder and managing principal of the Bellows Law Group. And uh, you do a lot with employment law. So I just want to dive into this document that I've teased that so many people have signed, whether it's for a credit card or a bank account or employment. We're talking about forced arbitration. What are we talking about? We're talking about a clause that's usually at the end of whatever you're signing. Mm-hmm. In, when you open a bank account, when you open a brokerage account, when you, uh, it's almost anything that you sign that looks like an agreement, you're going to find an arbitration provision or at least a provision in there that says, if we have a dispute, me, the person who's signing, and you, the person who's on the other side of the transaction, if we have a dispute, you will not go to court. You promise that you will arbitrate. Doesn't that sound easy and wonderful? Well, right, because that means that there's going to be, a, a, in theory, a uh, person who's non-biased who decides between the two of us, and it remains confidential, right? It remains very confidential. Now, let's say you don't want your case to remain confidential. Mm-hmm. And there are many cases in which somebody has done you wrong and you feel you want a jury verdict and you feel you want to go to court where someone can pick it up on, you know, on, uh, in the news and, and try and help other people in your situation, even right. if you might not get help. But arbitration is arbitrated by somebody who might have been a former judge. That's great. Mm-hmm. But by an attorney who may not have the skills at evaluating witnesses, witnesses and discovery are limited. Arbitration takes time. It's also not done at one time, generally. You, mm-hmm. know, you might have to take a break and then start all over again. It's not that it's less expensive necessarily. You might have to travel, I hear, sometimes to the arbitration session oh, on your you own must, dime. because you are signing arbitration in a particular location, which mm-hmm. is usually the main office of the company or whatever you're working for, wherever you're working. But the main issue is that the people who are arbitrators, who you try and select, they are very rarely women. 
I think the statistics are 90% of the, of the cases do not choose women as their arbitrators. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the people there are often, who are at the level of that arbitration, are not as sympathetic in a sexual harassment or sexual assault. They don't really understand it. They're not really listening. They may be representing the corporations that want the arbitration and wouldn't want somebody suing them for sexual assault. So here you are, the plaintiff, saying something terrible happened to me. In some of these cases, there are no witnesses. All right, so you know I'm I'm coming before you to hear me and listen to me in a very unbiased way, with mm-hmm. an open mind, not your perspective on the table, but absolutely no perspective until you hear what I say. And right. we say, all right, on behalf of those who have suffered sexual assault and sexual harassment, there is not an arbitrator who can actually do that on a regular basis. Right, and so we say. Give everybody a right to choose. There are people who have suffered sexual assault and sexual harassment, and it is not unusual for those people, women or men, but mostly women, to not want to go public. Mm -hmm. They want to choose to take advantage of a private location to resolve their dispute. That might be what they want. Great. We're just saying choose. But if you want to go to court, you go to court. So let me see if I can't say this very definitely. Mm -hmm. If you are about to accept employment. If you are about to, are you asked to sign any contract, flip to the end and ask to see the paragraph on dispute resolution. Okay. Ask specifically where the arbitration provision is if there is one. And be certain, because the law protects you here, be certain that you are not signing a contract that says you must arbitrate. I think there are lots of businesses and corporations that have never heard this new law is in effect thanks to Sherry Bustos, our Illinois, you know, our representative in Congress. Right. Right. Well, let's back up just a second because with forced arbitration, we're talking about a a whole host of issues that could be brought up. You brought up sexual harassment, sexual uh, assault. And that's what is in this new law that was passed earlier in this year. Bipartisan, by the way. That's right, John. In the Senate and the House signed by President Biden. The Ending Force Arbitration of Sexual Assault and Harassment Act. And again, I cannot believe that if you get sexually assaulted in an employment situation, that that would not see the light of day because of forced arbitration, right? In terms of not see the light of day for people outside of the public knowing about it if the victim wanted to share that information, right? Well, yes, and I absolutely. But I also think you were going for the fact that any other dispute that you have, even gender or racial or ethnicity or LGBTQ d- discrimination, must be arbitrated if you sign that arbitration agreement. And the reason we say forced is because the companies won't let you there's no other way. Uh, they, they won't let you take the action you, you want to take and open say, up this little account, right? Right. It doesn't say forced arbitration in the document. No, it it's, says dispute resolution generally. And right. you think, oh, that's a good thing. All right. So the, this law doesn't cover that. It only covers cases relating to sexual harassment and sexual assault. And and Sherry Bustos and the senators who have, and representatives who have put this forward are trying very hard to pass a law on non-disclosure agreements. Same thing. If you want to talk about what has happened to you, mm-hmm. you should be able to do that. Yeah. It's interesting because obviously forced arbitration, as we talked about, is this behemoth thing out there in our everyday lives. And it seems like Congress is trying to pick a couple areas where there might be broad support of 
ending it, but it's not ending. There's still so many other situations. Like you said, discrimination is not uh, is still allowed as a forced arbitration uh, meeting point, I guess you could say, or, or threshold to be matched. So right now the law is, with the Ending Forced Arbitration Sexual Assault and Harassment Act, I just want to make sure I understand, is that now if you are involved with sexual harassment or sexual assault in the office, you, under federal law, you cannot be forced to arbitrate, right? That has been a change. That is the absolute change. One caveat. Okay. All right. If you have brought a case recently and you have signed that agreement, if you brought the case um, before the law came into being, you mm-hmm. will be forced to arbitrate. If you signed an agreement before the, line, the law came into being and are now looking to file your case, you're covered. This is a retroactive act. And since we all probably know that we have 180 days in order to file, you know, a, you know, a sexual harassment, which is a form of sexual discrimination mm-hmm. claim, there might be many people out there who signed this agreement many years ago, but haven't filed their claim, and they are still entitled to have that provision voided as to sexual harassment. But I do want to say one other thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are talking about this. It took Sherry Bustos five years mm-hmm. to pass what should have been passed in a second. All right. So no broad-based support. So when you're voting in November in whatever state you are, make certain that the people you are voting would have been one of the people who are Republican who voted for this agreement. Right. And there and, were many. And there were 118 of them or something very close to that. So – I mean, we want more bipartisan working together on issues of equality. And so this is, I hope, the first beginning of it. First step. All right. We've got to take a break. We're not done. This is just our first step, Laurel Bellows. By the way, if you want more information, bellowslawgroup.com. That's where you want people to go, right? That'd be great. For all things employment. Hey, who, who do you want reaching out to you? Well, it's not all things employment because uh, you can reach out to me if you have a wrongful termination or something of that case. But mostly what I do uh-huh. is I represent people who have are negotiating an employment contract, Ooh. a separation agreement agreement are facing retirement and want to see if they're going to be able to get their stock out at the same time. I'm changing control. Companies getting sold. What's going to happen to me? That's what we do mostly. Okay, good to know. All right. Bellowslawgroup.com is the place to go. We'll get more information from Laurel in just a little bit, but let's take a break here on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. It's Let's Get Legal powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. Laurel Bellows joins us now and uh, we'll continue our conversation. And you kind of listed off some of the things that you do. And a lot of them have the theme of get a professional to help you when you're going into a job or when you're leaving a job. Is that a good way to sum up yes, a lot of it's that? It's good when you say it as opposed to me, because otherwise it sounds like a sales pitch. But oh, the fact I, is, we're talking about signing agreements. Right. We're talking about signing enforceable agreements. And those agreements, when you go into a new job, an employment agreement generally contains not only in the first paragraph your compensation, which you're all ready to negotiate, perhaps. I think people stop reading there sometimes. That's exactly the point, precisely. And then it talks about your bonus, and you don't really try and push very hard on that. And then it starts talking about um, that you can't compete with them if they terminate you, that you might get some severance if they terminate you, you might get three months or six months or a year, depending on how senior you are. But then it talks about non-competition agreements. You can't go to work for anybody who competes with us uh, for a year or two years. And that is enforceable. I mean, mm-hmm. there are all kinds of specifics we would talk about. Right. Those non-competes and non-solicitation of customers, they're all very enforceable. But what happens if you get three months of separation in this agreement and don't negotiate it and they want you to stay on the beach for a year? Right. And you, no, that's nine on. months of, of a gap. Right. 
it. You need to push back. It's it's exactly that. Those they're not hidden. They're right there in big type, but you don't really think they're going to apply to you because well, you're walking down the aisle exactly. happy as clam, <laughs> right, thinking that you found a great job that's paying you well and these are really nice people. Great analogy, walking down the aisle. I that's see what right. you're getting at here because right? uh, some people walk down that aisle and then they end up in a lawyer's office for other reasons down the line. Right. But, but here's the other thing. I think people don't want to upset a potential new boss, right? So here's the deal. You know, there are different tones you can use to negotiate this. You should, if you can manage it, get a lawyer or a lawyer as a friend just say to you, have you asked about X and Y and Z? For instance, here's another one that's on the table right now, remote working. Yeah, You go into an office right now, they offer you a deal, you see there's nobody in the office, you figure this is easy, there are, and then you sign and you start to work. But their main office is in Dallas, Texas. They haven't told you that they need you in Dallas. Mm. You know, that agreement that you just signed, it happens. You saw probably an article about, um, maybe about a couple, a couple of months ago. Where is a corporation located if the CEO is located in one state and the CFO is located in another right. and they're all very happy working remotely? Where's the company? Right. right. But now we're talking about be? the yeah. people who live in New Jersey and are being asked to work for a Chicago based company and and didn't ask whether they're ever going to be required to relocate. Right. So relocation is an issue. And if they want to leave, they've signed a non-compete, and now they're they can't go to it. Now they're trapped in that's, some ways. That's that's it. Trapped in a good way, but they have got equity that they're hoping for. Right. Is that going to vest? They have options that they're hoping for. They don't know that it's not just about vesting their options; it's about exercising options. Options you can get control of. They could be yours, mm-hmm. but you have to sell them. All right, in order to get the money out. And if you're only given 90 days in which to do that, all right, then you've got another issue. On the way in, you've got to also negotiate what could happen on the way out, right? Well, that's the idea. When I'm negotiating an employment contract, I negotiate the exit first. Okay. All right, always. But I I feel like, I think people are apprehensive about that because they feel like it's going to send the wrong message. I guess that's why we have you do it, (laughs) All right, so so here's the deal, Uh all right? You sh- you should do it yourself if you have a good relationship. Right. You should do it with an attorney who, who I mean I'm not always out front. I'm there doing term sheets and everything ghosting a lot of these negotiations because on the way out, mm-hmm. Jen. All right, you do have relationships. So you don't want to get a lawyer involved initially. A lot of lawyers need feel they need to be out front. I think that if you've got relationships, you should use them and the lawyer should help you use them. But if you have an employment contract, private equity deals, all right, you're thinking can you make a bundle of money? These are good guys and they're there to make money fast, in and out, five to seven years. Sometimes it's 10 years. Did you think about that? Sometimes they can't go out, but there's no money to pay you out on your stock. Mm-hmm. So you're taking a lower base salary, taking a lower bonus. You say, good, I'll take the risk. But the risk doesn't pan out because they don't make any money. Or it gets real close to the fact that they've got a deal. They're selling the company and they say goodbye to you. All right. And Mm -hmm. then your equity doesn't vest at all. Okay. These are some high-end things to think about. But I think they're things that people don't. They ignore it. Like you said, they're walking down the aisle. That's it. They're feeling pretty good about it. Yeah. So the other thing you can think about is that everybody leaves their job. Mm -hmm. Everybody. 
at some point or the other. You're leaving, you know, because you just died, right? <laughs> right. Or you're retired, or you're leaving because you want to leave for a new job, or you're disabled, or you're sick, or they tell you goodbye, all right, or you can't stand it, all right? <laughs> but you're leaving your job. So you need to be certain you understand what happens when you exit to all the perks that you've been getting. And, mm-hmm. and you need to figure out the risks that you're willing to take. And for me, who reads contracts like this every single day, all day long, I don't want to read an insurance broker's contract. I don't like reading my insurance agreement. But these small print agreements, I read word for word because it's your life that we're negotiating. Right. And they're changing, right? right. Like a, Companies are getting a little more uh, strict with the words and, and what cause could be or not cause could be, you were telling me, right? Yeah, they're defining cause. It used to be you define cause. Did you embezzle? Did you break a big rule, a really big rule? Did you do something really hideous? Right. All right, then, you know, maybe you engaged in conduct like drugs or, or alcohol or talked very badly about the company or, you know, things of that nature that you could understand destroyed the reputation of an officer or the company itself. That was cause. Now I'm starting to see cause saying, well, you maybe didn't do as great a job as we thought you would. All right. You think about that as the kind of thing that turns up in performance evaluations, John, Mm -hmm. but you don't think about it as used to cause to keep you from receiving the severance. Mm -hmm. And when times get tough and corporations start cutting costs, which is a, are, could be around the corner. It is. It is right now that I'm seeing them fight severance agreements, things that you thought were engraved in stone. I'm going to work for this company, do the best I can. And when they say goodbye to me, there's going to be a severance package there. Not so much. Mm, not all the time. Right. All right, Laurel, we could talk forever. Come on again, okay, please? I'd love to. I, got, I think it would be really fun. I got more to get to. Right. Trust me. We're we just, will, we're just but, diving in. Yes. Laura, but, bellowslawgroup.com to go to find out more about you. And I'm going to give away your office phone number as well, too, because some people always ask for this stuff. Yes. 312-332-3340. It's radio, so we say it twice, Laurel. 312-332-3340. Bellows, again, com. So negotiate any agreement you got. That's the message. Final thought. That's what I was going to say. Final thought, elevator pitch. Look at it. Read it all first. Please read it. But even if you don't read it, know that you need to negotiate. (laughs) Be like, I know there's not. I haven't read it, but I know there's something I'm not going to like here. Laurel, so great to chat with you. We'll do it again soon. Thank you. Looking forward to it.